Mana 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 this is social discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I'm Brandon, aka Brandon. I hope you're well. My guest is a returning one, having previously been on episodes 117 and 118, a two-parter. And now, no, wait, let me get this right. No, I did. This is my third time here, so it must have been one before, right? Oh, no, it's your fourth. Having previously no. been on episodes 166 and then 179 in January of this year, officially becoming the inaugural member of the Four Timers Club. <laughs> yeah. Has everybody done five times? No. Oh, no. so I've been on the most. Is You've that been good on the or most. Bad? You're the first <laughs> member to be on Four. <laughs> I think it's good. I always enjoy our conversation. Well, no, no. I like talking to you, and I always ask you when I can come back on. But the, um, I didn't know it was January of this year, was it? I guess so. It was like What do we talk about then? Oh, I must have seen something. I've seen a bunch of movies to talk about, so I don't... Okay, well, there's that. I had we, notes. we did talk about... I think at the time, Only Murders Left in the Building was just... Oh, like, and you know... It was I like three or four episodes in at that point. Oh, I haven't watched the second season, have you? I haven't either. I really... Um, <laughs> I think my wife and I just didn't get around to it. I, we don't really have much time to watch TV, but I kind of have more to do because I try to watch something in the morning as I get going, but... Yeah, I, I liked the show a lot. I really enjoyed the first season. But it was a weird thing where I really enjoyed it, but I'm also like, I thought that was just a great one-and-done season of TV. I would have been, yeah, I was completely satisfied with it. Yeah. I don't, I wasn't asking for, I felt like I read a good book. And then you're like, eh, I don't, but you know, I don't think that's how monetarily you make any money. (laughs) No, I don't don't think think so. You don't make anything just doing one season of TV. I guess you could if it was a press, uh, even then I think you'd have to, if it was popular enough, you'd do a second season. You also, I, I would imagine you would feel bad not getting everybody more work. I, Probably. I, I feel like although, those... although what we're talking about, for the most part, are the three main stars who do not want for work. But to your point, like the supporting actors and things, it's like, wh- why stop a good thing when it's going, you know? Yeah, and they might have liked doing it. And I think, in general, it seems like Steve Martin, he likes to work. Uh, like he's always, I've read things where he's always talking about how much he prepares for things and really would write anyway. Like I, you know, I think there's some people that would just do it. I think there's some people who get famous and then like Eddie Murphy is a good example of things I've read about him where he just kind of gets, he was super, um, famous and then kind of is a homebody and doesn't. Yeah. You know, he doesn't really write or anything like on the side, or I guess he was going to do a stand-up special at some point, but I don't know how that went. That was pretty Now he's currently filming the new Beverly Hills Cop movie right now. Which is cool. Like, they brought all the people back, John Ashton, and uh, I just watched um, Beverly Hills Cop 2 over the summer, which is my, uh, weirdly, my favorite Beverly Hills Cop movie. Really? I just, well, I think Tony Scott... I like a Tony Scott movie. I like that they <laughs> made a movie so r- drastically different than the first one with the same characters was interesting. Like the the look of the movie is so different that it, I mean it's like looks like Top Gun. The fact that Tony Scott wanted to make a sequel of something, I don't know. I just there's something about it. The first one's great. I just I have there's something about it. I Beverly Hills Cop two. I remember as a kid coming out and it being a big deal and a friend having a soundtrack. So not that might be part of it. I don't know, but. Did you uh, did you finish your introduction? I'm so sorry. I think I intru- Oh, we don't have to finish it. It's not a big deal. It's oh, okay. Like, I'm Joe. I got a podcast called Smackers. Listen to that. Welcome back, Joe Schiappa. Welcome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just didn't want people to be <laughs> like, who's talking? And then not. 
Not that I have anything to promote. But yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. Are you a big Beverly Hills Cop fan? I like the first one a lot. I don't remember the second or third. I seem to remember the third being a real mess and not very good. The third's a real stinker. That's what I figured. I seem to remember something about an amusement park, but that's all. Yeah, there's a pretty good set piece of him like on a high, like on a ride, like hanging off a ride that's pretty exciting. It doesn't have energy. I think at that point, Eddie Mur- I was just reading Eddie Murphy's like, you know, Vampire in Brooklyn is one Eddie Murphy movie I've never seen. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch it. I was like looking for Halloween movies to kind of maybe watch. And then, uh, you know, it got panned, but people seemed to like it. And he was like trying to be serious. I don't know. He's and he, he suffered from the too big to be told no and then made a bunch of stinkers. Like, it was almost that, better when he was that working is tough. with other people. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's, man, talk about a Then star. you have Bowfinger, which is incredible. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I, I've never read anything about that movie or how it was made or whatever, but what a what a movie. It's, it's an amazing. incredible movie, yeah. He's so funny. He, he's incredible in that. and But to team those two up together, you would never think no. it would work. But he does an amazing job also playing his brother um, in that movie and the way he plays it. And when he's running across the, the, the highway is so funny. Amazing. Yeah, he's great. I think he genuinely should have been nominated for an Oscar for that. I think he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, can you believe, and, you know, people have made fun of the clumps now on animated programs and stuff, but he plays all those people in the clumps. Like, that is incredible. That is an incredible magic trick. It's that amazing. you can watch the clumps. <laughs> I call the clumps. The Nutty Professor and be, like, in a scene and you you forget that it's every one of them except the little kid is him. Yeah. He's incredible. I, I do I think know. that sometimes that when people become as stratospheric as he did, so gigantic, you often forget that that usually happens because they're otherworldly oh. ability. And like he was on SNL when he was like 17. Uh, I think it was 18 or 19. It was very young, very young. But there's a reason for that. Like he just had it. Yeah. And I don't even think it was Lauren Michaels that found him, right? Isn't that the Jean, Jean, uh, Dumanian years. Um, oh, I didn't the, think about that. I think he was on um, pre-Lorn. I mean, post-Lorn, pre-Lorn. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I've uh, I got that book. I guess it was like the Tom the, Shales book. The, yeah, the history. Yeah, that's fine. I, I feel like there's more stuff that's come out now. I feel like it wasn't. I'm so sick of hearing about the early days of it. Like, it, what was yeah. your era of SNL? Do you have an era of SNL? I'm assuming you. You watched it as a kid. I didn't really watch it as a kid. People always say, too, that when you're an SNL fan, or if you've been one, you always have your era, and that just so happens to be the best era because it was the one right, when right. you were younger. Yeah, yeah you're so, in high school or whatever. Yeah, so I, when I was a kid, I would watch like the Dana Carvey, Mike Myers stuff, and it was like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is amazing. And then even like you know, to a lesser extent, but still the early Will Ferrell-type you know, era yeah. where— they had so many talented people. Like, you know, I watched a little bit, like a clip or two, which is pretty much what I do these days if it ever happens, of the latest season f- premiere. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. No, they're all good on there. I have one. I have a former improv student on it now. Um, nice. Sarah Sherman. Yeah. On it. I, I have Sarah Squirm? She, she's Sarah really Squirm. funny. Yeah, she's super funny. And she was funny. One of the best impro- improv students I had at, when I taught at the pit. Um, she's great. Super funny. I think she was still in college. She can't be, she's much younger than us, I imagine, right? She's in I think 20s. she's probably like, she's mid to late 20s, I would say. Mid to late 20s, yeah. Great. I bet. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but she was good, 
there's a couple people I had in improv where I was like, oh, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Joe Firestone. And then... Um, She's so funny. So funny. Sarah... I had this guy, Dan, who did was in Sarah's class, and they were a good team. And Dan continued doing improv, and I don't can't think of anybody else I had. Were they good immediately? Is like just like they had the raw ability immediately? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, Joe Firestone, I feel like had a good understanding of. I think a lot of people come to it. The cool thing about the the pit was it wasn't necessarily, and the difference between that and UCB was. The pit, I felt like I had a lot of people that uh, didn't want to go to UCB so much, but they also, or they did, and they were doing everything. And a lot of people who just, like, wanted to take an improv class, so, right? Mm -hmm. So they got into it. And then you would have people that were, like, really wanted to do comedy. And I feel like Joe Firestone uh, was really funny in a scene. I remember she was stuck in a, she, she didn't say anything, but she was a roommate stuck between two people arguing and her she was just so funny and i was like oh this is she has a good understanding of what works yeah. you know i don't know why i'm starting to talk like lord michaels i almost have his affectation <laughs> like what works um the uh right right, right. um the uh, uh yeah and i feel like sarah had a weirdness to her and then she leaned into that i think she did like the hell trap i think she moved to chicago or something and then la yeah. and then you know, Adult Swim. She's such a weird choice for that show, but they figured out a way to use her, which I think is great. Like, she does that update stuff. Um, and I think she's friends with those guys I like. Um, those, Please Don't Destroy? Yeah, those guys are great. I think they made a movie this summer and stuff. And I recently saw James Austin Johnson do stand-up in Brooklyn. and it was That must on, have been very funny. The funny. One of the funniest shows I've ever seen. I had a headache. I had to leave. I was laughing so hard. That's amazing. Like I had to excuse myself. I was with my buddy, and we're sort of standing in the back of the bell house, and I had to excuse myself to use the bathroom. I had a headache. I was laughing so hard. I think it was also, he's another guy where you're like, oh, you kind of see him. I saw him do the Trump on Instagram or whatever. You're like, oh, he's got a way in, and the writing is good. Yeah. Like he's doing Trump, but you're like, oh, God, everybody does it. But he had a way in, and I think it's because it's like Trump, sad Trump. Like, Trump, who runs out of things to complain about and now has to complain about Pokemon. Like, my wife and I talk about it. My son's into Pokemon, and we're always like, Professor Oak. Like, <laughs> he has such specific references to nerd things that Trump has a problem with. And he did an amazing magic trick, which must be his thing, which is he asked people what they're watching or on TV, and then he did Trump for, like, 10 minutes just riffing off of someone's suggestion. So, like, I think that was great like he's just and he had good jokes too he was a good writer to your point though like it kind of like the uh kind of like dana carvey where he does an impression but he has a take on it yeah and i would even say he's better than dana carvey because dana carvey is not a good writer like chopping yeah. broccoli i would argue is funny but is not uh like he does a take he doesn't do the writing i think james austin Johnston has a writing component that he's almost more like um jonathan winters Agreed. Um, if you ever heard Jonathan Winters like old albums, like he'll take an audience suggestion and do like a whole scene. And I felt like James Austin Johnson was doing a sketch show by himself, which I think is hard to do. Um, and he did it for a full hour. Like I, I just he was it was it was amazing, um, a magic comedy 
thing that he was loose and comfortable and also had good writing. I think I saw Dana Carvey do stand up with Dennis Miller and uh, Kevin Nealon years ago. They were out together. <clears throat> and Kevin Nealon's the better comedian out of the three of them. Like Kevin yeah. Nealon's just a better, is like so funny as a comedian. And then Dana Carvey is just likable and does a good impression and really just does kind of repeats words and stuff in a way. There's just something we kind of remembered of him being like rock and roll, <laughs> like yeah. a, a new version of like the shitty Rich Little or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, he's great. I mean, James Ellis Justice was great. I, I think if he comes around, I think he's from your neck of the woods, right? The South? He's from Tennessee? Nashville. Nashville? How far is that from you? It's probably like five or six hours, maybe. Oh, that's not too bad. It's not uh, too not bad. That you would, but I would, I would highly recommend... Although I, I also don't know if I was starved for, if I had seen as much comedy as I had in the past, would I have thought it was as funny? I guess I would have. I think he's very funny, and I think he would have laughed anyway. But would you maybe have had a headache in the case of if you'd been to shows more consistently? Maybe not. Uh, maybe I saw Nate Bargatze in June, and I definitely he was next level. He's a like a consummate stand-up comedian. He's very yeah impressive. on a level like I think he'll beat out Seinfeld if he ever gets if they put him in a show or something where he has a point of view. I mean he's just so good, and he 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 was clean, which I don't care if they're clean, but like that's a magic trick on. It's impressive. Itself. It's impressive. Yeah, because he talked about stuff. He talked about like being the guy at the party that has to go get ice. Um, <laughs> for like 15 minutes and like all of it was so funny and it it's like not even i don't know there was just something to that too i don't know i've been on a real watching comedy journey and i know i just mentioned two white guys so it can't be much <laughs> of a journey but uh the i don't know these uh, there's something that came out of the pandemic like these two i would almost link them together even though nate bargazzi has been around much longer there's like a new version of it where like uh i don't know just different insights I'm trying to think where else. I watched this um, woman do a stand-up. You can watch on YouTube, Alice Hamilton. She does like a whole half hour on like Chris D'Elia. I saw uh, that, yeah. And uh, I liked it, and I think she has uh, was good in presence. And like, I don't know. There's something that come out of the pandemic where people were just trying different things or, or moving to the next level that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. I don't know. I'm sure James Austin Johnson would have found his way somewhere. But I think so. I think that dude had just so much... I think he has so much ability that it's pretty much undeniable, whether it would have been SNL oh, or something right. else. I saw a video maybe last year where it was him doing stand-up in Nashville at like 15 years old. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And he already had a take about Chuck E. Cheese, and it was funny. Yeah, like you ever see Seth Rogen do stand-up as a kid? You ever yeah. see that video? Like he, it's almost the same thing. Where you're like, oh, this guy's – because you see Seth Rogen, you're like, well, what's this guy going to do? But I do think he has a take and then like a – you just need an in. I think, or an unusual point of view, but not too unusual that people don't understand what you're doing. Does that make sense? I think to your point, like, if you have a take that is both not effectively, you know, a thing, like not doing it for the sake of it, but it's both, like, unique, but also yours, where it is that authentic thing and you're just being true to yourself, I think people really respond to that. I think all comedy comes down to one rule, and not all comedy, but this is my thing, is can you talk about something that everybody knows, but no one's ever thought of it that way. Yeah. And I think that's rule number one. Because you see so many people kind of repeat and do the energy that other people are doing. I don't know what's popular now. But but can you, can you notice something that no one else ever would notice that way? And I think if you can do that, then you're well on your way to establishing yourself as a 
comic. Because I don't well, I think, even think the funniest people get to be the most successful. I think it's the people that kind of figure out the writing of it and then marry it with their version of whatever performing is for them, you know? But to your point, like, that's what Nate Bargatze does. He can do, it's just like, you know, he filters it through the prism of his perspective and it comes out and it can talk about, like, he did a, I think on his, maybe not his latest stand-up special, but one of mm-hmm. the one before it, he did a whole, like, chunk on The Sixth Sense. In oh, like did 2000, he? Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure. It was I'll like, or, so, oh, or something we've seen before, but it, it was really funny. And just the idea of doing that in, like, 2020, 2021, and it being unique, that's, you know, it's like. I think that's why he's so good, because that's yeah. the challenge, right? Like, yeah. he's not, he's, like, churning it out. Like, he had all new material. He's like a consummate stand-up to yeah, me. Like, yeah, yeah. Have you ever listened to the, his podcast? I think it's pretty good. I've not heard it, no. Uh, Nate Land. It's like him and a couple other guys that are kind of similar but different than him. This other guy, Dusty Slay, which is like a southern comic who's kind of like him, too. I bet say Nate's a, a Nashville guy, too. Yeah, so they all... I don't know. It's fun. You can watch on YouTube. and I don't know. They just talk about... They just have a topic like medieval time, like a medieval, uh, you know, the Middle Ages. Um, uh, so I think that is like one thing that they you know talk about and they talk about it for like two and a half hours and it's i don't know i I think it's it's good as podcasts go it's hard to do that kind of stuff i would check it out um what have you been watching any good movies that you've seen recently great question i'm trying to think well the other night before last i watched what i didn't realize i i didn't realize i'd not seen it a john carpenter film which one prince of darkness oh uh, that's supposed to be the best one right no? Some people say that. I really oh, enjoyed it. Oh, Serpent Under the Rainbow, but that's a Wes Craven movie. Never mind. Yeah, it. What's... this one is, um, It's his. I believe it's his return. It was his return. I think it was 1987 the movie came out. But it was his turn to independent filmmaking after Big Trouble in Little China financially bombed. Okay. And it's just, uh, it's like, wow, what if we want to tell a story about the devil through the prism of like astrophysics and science? Okay. Which is a weird thing to describe, and I can't really give you much more than that because it's both a simple movie, but also like the nature of what they're talking about is kind of complicated. But it was fun because it had, you know, the John Carpenter made soundtrack, and it sounded like a John Carpenter film. And it was a movie of the time, and it was, you know, right before, I believe, They Live. So it was like finding, you know, a $20 bill in an old jacket pocket. It was like, wow, I didn't even know this existed, really. I don't know much about it, so I got to really savor it. Was it was scary? really nice. There was some really creepy stuff in it, for sure. Now, have any of his movies ever made any money? Halloween. Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. The one that started all. But in terms of, like, he is a guy who is, like, where his movies, I don't know that they get, like, rediscovered or discovered later in life, but they definitely become more appreciated with time, I would say. Hold on. I'm going to look up on my computer here. Top grossing John Carpenter movies. It's not going to be great, I bet. Yeah, I don't think that he's had right? huge hits. Grossing John Carpenter. You know what the sad part is? That maybe John Carpenter's Vampire is a movie that's fine, you know, at least in his oeuvre. But that might be one of the highest grossing movies. All right, so here we go. The numbers. Best known, best known acting roles as an actor. Intended latest tops. Oh, wait a minute. This is the worst side I've ever seen. I don't even know what this is. Um, hold on a second. Uh, okay, here we go. Halloween, and then Starman, and then Escape from L.A.? Interesting. No. I thought that was a bomb. I definitely thought it was more of a cult movie than it was an out-and-out hit. The sequel to Escape from New York is his top. All right, so Halloween. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? Okay. 
Halloween, 47 million. Lifetime gross, which is, in the grand scheme of people making movies, not that much, right? You would say? No, but probably with inflation, it's probably a $100 million domestic or whatever movie. Right, and it also now. spawned an industry, I would say, right? Like, it's, it's it, made it, them it, 90 times, and... It's, you, you know, they've made so many movies in that whole Halloween universe, but also massive, massive, massive impact in pop culture and on the horror genre. Like right, gigantic. like any time... Yeah, I just saw a meme today of a kid falling off a... Like, dressed as um, Michael Myers falling off a haystack that was funny yeah all right yeah so starman 28.7 million so there's about a 20 million discrepancy <laughs> between his top grossing one and the second grossing one and say and that's by the way his probably his most commercial and or most commercial accessible most, film and it's a good right. movie i have not seen it in a long time all right escape from la is number three 25.4 million escape from new york 25.2 and i would say his most like well reviewed the thing but not the thing Maybe. yeah the thing yeah the is that the ice one they're in the i just watched that last year in terms of like when if you would ask 100 people what their favorite john carpenter movie is far more people would say that movie i'm sure than any other okay so and that is reviewed as good as starman or escape from new york so i guess that is pretty high reviewed 86 percent, i guess on rotten tomatoes which i don't know if we can ever really use that as a metric but memoirs of invisible man okay did more did better box office than prince of darkness 11 okay. ghost of mars 12 they live 13 the ward what's that one that oh, is that a newest one i think that was his last film that was like maybe from 2010 or something you're right starring amber heard we all know her yeah uh from the trial his most recent film as a director okay so this looks okay and then his last least grossing film you're right big trouble in little china huge bomb but has really good is scores better than a lot of the ones that have terrible reviews like it scores higher than escape from la which is number three i can just imagine people seeing that movie like the reviews coming out of that movie and at the time just people not knowing what to do with it i remember that coming out watching it on tv and man i was blown away i (laughs) love it i think it's so good a mixture of just everything I liked as a kid. You're just like so into it, you know. Like it has every. It, I I do think it was off the back of what year is this? Eighty four. When was um, Indiana Jones? Eighty eighty two. Yeah. When's Raiders of the Lost Ark? So it's coming off the back. They're clearly trying to make that kind of movie, right? You know, the original script for Big Trouble in Little China was a western that they then turned into that movie, but it has a lot of western elements still in it. It is a real W. D. Richter. Uh, <laughs> Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. That's that's the guy yeah. who did that. He's a real weirdo, and man, you could see that all over the Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, there's some big Buckaroo Banzai vibes in that movie. I saw that movie last year too. Really enjoyed it. What Buckaroo Banzai? Yeah. Oh, awesome movie. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so John Carpenter, more of a... Um, I mean, Halloween obviously changed the scope of the culture, but and Escape from New York, I think, is great. Um, but I'd say the rest of the the oeuvre here, maybe The Thing, which I hear people um, jizzing about, but other than that, I don't think... <laughs> I don't see Christine. I love the book. I like the movie. I don't see... It's weird. He's just not as... In the world of... The, the Lucases and the Spielbergs, where he kind of came up, you would say he's not as a hit maker as these. Like, these are almost 
every one of these is a cult movie. Except they Starman are, and sure. Halloween, you would say, has mass appeal. But every other one of them is, uh, is just a movie that I don't even know. Members of Invisible Man I have on Blu-ray, but I don't think I've even watched it yet. But I do it's, remember liking it. It has a moment. But... And I remember reading about it that he kind of, that was a for-hire gig. That was yeah, not he... A, it's not one that he talks very positively about at all. Right. But in terms of like even Halloween now, he's very emotionally separated from every Halloween movie that's been made after to the point where he's just all about like, hey, they paid me. That's all I need. Well, I, I, I um, retweeted a, a video of him like um, like his his thing over the year, like how his he would yeah. just write an outline and then wait till two weeks before it was due and then write the script. And then I saw that. Yeah. He, yeah, he tells someone to fuck off during a preview, like a <laughs> during a comic con. So I do think he's a crusty guy that like does a lot. Of, but they live, I would say, is a cult. It's not, it's not. You wouldn't say that movie is a popular movie. It's just a cult movie. Like nerds like it, right? The people that have seen it and love it love it. As somebody who hadn't seen it as of a couple of years ago and finally did, I completely understand. I mean, even on a larger level, the whole obey thing that Shepard Fairey took oh, directly, right, right. that's had an impact. But He's a guy who is like, he always wants to say something with his films. That one, of course, was pretty overtly anti-Reagan and Reaganomics and everything else. And just the, the yuppies yeah, out there. He's got a hippie. Him and Spielberg are different because he's got a hippie. Um, he's got more of a, we're using the story to make a point, right? And then... And he's got kind of an, an anti-establishment element in him for sure. Right, and, right. You know, like, the funny thing is that in terms of ability, he could have been a gigantic populist filmmaker, I think, if he wanted to be. Because, like, Starman was his version of that. And it was pretty accessible, and it's a pretty delightful movie. I really, it's a really good movie, I think. You know what I um I saw on 70mm a couple weeks ago at the old oh. Museum of Moving Image? Tron, which I had not seen in years. How is it? How is it still? It is great. I mean, it is a fucking weird movie. I mean, it yeah. is a weird movie. It's weird that Disney made it. They clearly were like, oh, video games are something people like. Let's make something. But it is Jeff Bridges is super great in it. Uh, Bruce Boxleader. Like, there's some great things in it. It still looks really cool. I mean, it just looks, now it looks retro. Like, maybe in the 90s you would say, oh, this looks like shit. But now I almost think it looks like, you know, you wouldn't make it now, but you would. It, it looked good. It held up, I thought. That's but cool. I had not seen it since I was a kid, and what a treat. I just thought it was a treat. And uh, I don't know. I recommend – I have not seen the sequel either, so I'll have to check that out. But I have a weird soft spot for Tron Legacy. It's a movie where I know it's not really good, but there's something about it. It just delights me. I really enjoy it. Now, that's the same guy who directed the Top Gun uh, sequel, right? Yeah, Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah. And he – did he do I Am Legend? Is that his other movie? No, that's Francis Lawrence. Oh, uh, I, like, I like that. I like that. Movie. I did too. He did a movie that not a lot of people saw that I think is like a extremely like very solid if not outright good movie in a movie called Only the Brave that came out 3 years ago oh, and it's a brave. real life firefighter drama. It's really well done. And this I is Joseph talented. Kaczynski? Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah, he also did a movie called Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Oh, is that with Morgan Freeman? Yeah. Yeah. I like that it's, movie. It's pretty good. I, he's it's, a good visual guy, right? Yeah, he was an, an architect, which makes sense in retrospect, turned filmmaker. So he's got a very spe like kind of specific visual sense. Let's look at this guy's oeuvre then. Maybe he's the next. I, I feel like he's now he's the director of the top grossing movie of all time. It's up there. Did you see it? Oh, I've seen it a couple times. I think it's amazing. 
<laughs> really? I have not seen it. I mean, everybody says it's amazing. I'm not I'm not laughing because I think it's garbage. I really don't. In terms of Hollywood filmmaking and movies of that ilk, I'm not that far off from calling it a masterpiece, genuinely. All right, so this is the movies he's made. Tron Legacy first movie. So he must have made mu music videos, commercials. Is this where he's coming from? Yeah, he did a lot. And so that really gave, and it was more of a future aesthetic, which you saw right. later with that and Oblivion as well. So that kind of was his calling card. That got him Only in. the Brave, this movie you just mentioned, 2017. It's a good movie. PG-13 with Josh Brolin. Okay, Miles Teller. He likes a Miles Teller. Um, and then Top Gun Maverick. And then Spiderhead, which came out, I believe, and people were talking about. And he directed Oblivion in between those. Or at oh, right, point. you're right, you're right, right, you're right. I'm but, sorry, I missed Oblivion. Uh, Oblivion yet, in between that and Only the Brave. He kind of went back. All right, so he's he's had a real home run of a career here. I think all these movies did pretty well, right? Yeah, he did pretty decently. At the very least, like, you know, like, every review at the very least, like, praised it for his visual sense. And, like, the fact that he, like directs with scope but the next movie he has that he just signed a massive 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 deal in the wake of top gun maverick is a movie that's going to be a formula one movie oh cool starring cool. and produced by brad pitt with cooperation from formula one i believe so it's going to be gigantic right and that's an imax movie right like that's a movie that's the movie yeah. they want i think what top gun proved to people was not that it was a sequel or anything but that people will go out to a movie if it's good and it's something you have to see in the movies. If there's a sense of spectacle, like Avatar 2 coming up, oh, yeah, it's going to be huge. gigantic. Well, they released Avatar, and I think that's been doing pretty well. Like, it's beaten out movies that have come out. It's so It made, I, it made like, $18 million this weekend. It's, I, it's just really hard to justify. Like, back in college, I would go to the movies all the time in Boston, and I would go see anything, and small movies were really pumped out a lot. Like, like office space i remember seeing in the theater and it's re i think it's just really hard to get people to go see that kind of movie if it's well, not like a it's, big thing right i think so but the problem is that it's hard to say because they don't make them anymore so it's like which one is it is it right. you know it's like in a way they feel special i guess but it's so few and far between i mean i say that and like um confess fletch just came out a studio comedy that had a bit of a budget which when you're watching it it feels like a miracle it even exists by uh, the way that movie's funny it's good. Oh, I heard it's great. I heard it's great, and it's, it's already good. on Showtime or something, right? Like, I can already watch it. It went straight to VOD, and I think it might have had, like, a minor theater Right, I think release. at one point it was playing here. In New York, they everything plays, so I don't yeah. know. If they're going to have a small release, they even, that Judd Apatow movie that came out this year, they put in a movie theater for a couple days. I don't know why. That movie was a garbage. Oh, the, the one that was the Netflix movie? Yeah, yeah. So in New York, I watched though, like 15 minutes of that. Yeah, I couldn't. Um, yeah. You know, Netflix owns a theater in New York now, the Paris. Okay. So when they have a prestige movie, which the Paris is a really nice theater, one movie only theater. Um, huh. And they well, they ran um, Mitchell and the Machines there for a long time, um, which is great. Um, so you can go and see a Netflix movie in the theater. But that, I think that's more for Oscar consideration. Like they're and also, qualifying runs, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's more for... New York people who I do think New Yorkers, as much as they've gotten rid of these smaller theaters, there are places you can go and see um, revivals and stuff here still, which we made. There was more of them, but really you cool. can go to the you could go to MoMA and see, um, you know, uh, bring a baby or something or things like that in the theater. I'm glad that happens. Like, I think that's so cool. But I do you that. have that where you are? You don't have that kind of thing. You have AMC as your 
we have a local theater here that does oh, do? Good. that does both. It's like a mix of uh, first run, you know, just regular populist films, but they also do a lot of documentaries and uh, independent films. So that's a great one. And then on like on Tuesdays, they tend to do revival showings at like seven p.m. So so what have you seen there? Like what what what's like what's revival now? When I was in college, revival was anything from the early '80s past but what it tends to be like 80s stuff not that long ago they did labyrinth they've done top gun okay. before yeah yeah but it could be like big lebowski too it's just uh it's That's still a some popular form. revival big lebowski's a popular if they're going to give up a screen you know that would ordinarily have something new running they're going to do something that they know people will like and want right. to see you know it's not going to be anything terribly obscure or anything the Alamo Draft House here. I don't know if you have one of those in your we area. We don't, but um, I've, I've heard mixed things about it. But uh, I went to my first uh, first one there. I saw everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, probably in April. Did and, that did that hit for you? By the way, the way to the mm, degree it didn't for me. Not quite. I I thought it was great, but it didn't connect to me to the degree I thought it was. Super it entertaining. I think it's twenty minutes, a little too long. Um, yeah, I would have. I don't know. Who am I to say? I guess I could have, I would have chopped off. I felt like it got repetitive, but I liked it. I, I get what they were doing. It's a weird movie. I think you had to know a lot of other movies to understand it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The reward is that you know Ratatouille and you understand <laughs> that parents mistake Ratatouille as something. Like, there was a lot of that kind of thing. And then what parallel i guess you would have had to watch community to know parallel universes or i guess that's a kind of a thing now parallel oh, the, the multiverse stuff yeah, yeah that's, the multiverse it's a, stuff it's, i guess is a newer it's a feels fad like to me a, yeah a newer concept in storytelling that sliding doors type of thing and then i you have to know that uh the dad ki hu kwan was in goonies so he's kind of playing that part as an older like i don't know there was a lot there and you have to know michelle yo was um, you know, in Jackie Chan movies, it's the second fiddle, and that this is her opportunity to be the star. I don't know. There was a lot that you kind of had to know, too, to, like, get the full scope of it, but I thought it was entertaining. There's a lot of, like, New York comedy people in it, which I thought was cool. Um, uh, uh, from Cocoon Dan Dan uh, Central Dance Team, the girlfriend was played, um, uh, someone from here. And then, oh, nice. um, uh, yeah, it was fine. I don't think about it that often. Not in the way that I think about other movies on a, you know, some other movies I think about and I'm like, oh, that, that was good. You know, I think it was overhyped for me by the time I got to it. And I think it's like a movie where I, I watched it. And in terms of the craftsmanship, it's incredible. Like it's so impressively well made, but it just didn't connect to me to the degree by which other people I know. And I wish I had that experience, but it's still really well done. And I think it's a great movie, but I didn't get, I guess, the emotional catharsis or whatever that, that other people did, or at least to that degree but it's not a knock on the movie i think it's probably just me no and it did pretty well i bet it i bet it gets some uh, awards uh I hope in so. some way or nominated i watched a movie that was both repulsive i know you watched it because you posted about it you were watching it that was both I've... repulsive and one of the funniest movies i've seen in a long time funny pages you've watched this film i i did and uh did you get I, the whole thing i did i hate how the way it made me feel because it just bought, you know, because it was just, which is what it was made to do to a certain extent. But the apartment those two guys lived in was yeah. so disgusting. It was. It, I it's could a, not. <sighs> I mean, I liked, there's some funny moments. There's some amazingly funny and what I think is funny 
in like comedic moments in it and i like that character it was so it wasn't upsetting i couldn't even say that i just felt sad for everybody it was just depressing <laughs> it was it kind of had a <laughs> it seemed to be uh in some ways inspired by and this makes sense r crumb or the the it documentary was Crumb. Crumb. It, was, it was like the less likable ghost world which is really saying something like ghost yeah. world is one of my favorite movies and i just think people talk like they real talk in real life in the, that movie uh in both of those movies like i thought the dialogue was really sparkling and i thought when the dad is trying to keep him from going up the stairs and then gives up and walks away and i was like that was yeah. a fun moment of like well you can't do anything he's an adult but he's not an adult and like what the version of adults are which are like either weird predators or like these two disgusting guys that live in a basement apartment and yeah. they're so excited about it. like so much of it was funny but it is so disgusting that it I is can't. it's it's well made though and like i'm really curious because you know it's made by owen klein who's like 32 I, i'm curious which i well it's kevin klein's son so yeah, i wonder how and, he found the money for it yeah for his dad. yeah i wonder how he got those resources but yeah, yeah. but i am curious but the funny thing is that you don't watch that movie i didn't watch that movie and think wow he strictly got this because of his station in life i think he he had a perspective and i'm curious what his next movie will be like oh Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, it's a good movie. He has a point of view, For and sure. the point of view is super unique. It was a part of growing up in the Northeast. That is what Connecticut, New Jersey is like, where there's like these weird sort of urban areas where weirdos live. <laughs> and when like hanging out at that comic store, like you, even if you're not into comics, you know those type of people who are like weirdly opinionated about bullshit. Um, I don't know. I thought it was... I don't know anybody else. I've been recommending it uh, cautiously to people. I thought the lady that played his, he ends up working for was awesome. Yeah. She was She's great. really good. Really and I good. thought he used a couple people from like Uncut Gems, like those just people yeah. who are just like disgusting to look at. And I mean that as like a compliment. If that it fit sense. the aesthetic. Like, yeah, his, like um, his casting choices were really good. Like he did a really good job. Of casting the right people for the roles, but he the, wrote. that apartment they're living in, where it's like sweating all the time, and they're just like gross. Oh god, it makes I don't me like it at all. Puke. I, don't I like almost want to puke thinking about it. And I I'm thinking about it now, and I just got and, goosebumps. And if you're in listening and you're like, "Well, what is this movie that a, an apartment would make you puke?" I don't know. Like the set design out of it is so incredible, you want to vomit. <laughs> it's just, it's just. There's I guess something it's a like, little John Waters too, right? Like it, yeah. it has a little bit of that, you know. Um, that uh we live in like this weird it's not a nancy it's the what whatever the anti-nancy myers kitchen would be <laughs> yeah. is yes. like what this is it's it's a thing where you you look at it in the sense of that apartment and then you kind of like it somehow evokes a smell you don't even know what it is but you know there's something oh, it's there disgusting it's yeah. really like it it's an assault on on all of the senses even if you're just watching it so i don't it, think i ever I, watch it again but I do. Think I can't do it in no, the same way that Ghost World I've watched all the time, and I think that movie is just. I can't rave about that movie more. I just think that movie is great. It's Ghost a great World's movie. A great like movie, yeah. uh, funny pages, I enjoyed. I I was like both. I knew as I was watching, like I'm enjoying this. I don't like how it makes me feel a lot of the time, but I understand that that's you know in a non overtly manipulative way, it's successful in that. So fair enough. I will never watch it again. But there are plenty of movies I've not watched again, so who cares? What's your top movie you'll never watch again? Kids is mine. I would never watch that movie again. Oh, as long boy. as I live, I would never see it. What's the top? 
If you were to think of one movie, you're like, God, I will. I've seen it. That's enough. That's really t- uh, oh, you know, uh, Cats. I will never watch again. Oh, I can't believe you've even watched it once. Well, were you watching it out of? Um, it was a bit. A bit. Okay. Okay. It was a bit that. What's we're... so bad about it? Is it just so unnerving, uncanny valley, unnerving that their faces are on cat bodies or something? Or what's what's so it's terrible just, about it? It's just that it's not. I guess because it's like somewhere in the middle between like not um, the worst movie you've ever seen by any stretch. So it's not fun in that regard, but it's also in no way good. So oh, that's a hard. It, yeah, so it yeah. just doesn't have very. It doesn't have any like overtly redeeming qualities to it, to where you're just like, wow, I've got to see this again, or wow, I enjoyed that. I mean, really, it was that my friend and I were just like, it wouldn't be funny if we saw cats, and then we got there, and then you sit there for five minutes, and you're like, oh god, now we have to watch cats. Yeah, I, like, I you, felt, you got caught up in it a little bit. I felt that about like Cool World. I remember being like, I don't want to be here. I saw that in the movie. theater. Yeah, I said I did when too. I was a kid. I was like, oh my god, I don't want to even sit here anymore. I feel. <laughs> yeah. This is just hard to watch. And not only because it's, like, not put together. It was just, like, like unpleasant. Movie. It was unpleasant, and, like, and you can also see both what they were going for and how they didn't reach that goal. And so when you kind right. of whiff on what you're attempting to tonally, like, when it's weird. You know, when it hits, you're like, man, well done, even if you don't doesn't resonate with you. But when it doesn't, it's more. It's kind of bittersweet because you're like you can see what they were going for, but also like it didn't get there, and and it was a big swing. I'll give them that, but it it just really didn't work for me. I guess some people like it. I guess it has a cult, whatever a cult following is these days that people really like it. What is the most? Um, what's a movie that has a cult following that's your favorite? Like one that kind of people maybe don't know about, but like there is a following for it. I'm trying to think that's of it. one like that. I don't know. I don't know if this fits the bill, but the first thing that came to mind is the movie Hackers. Oh, that's a good one. I have never seen Hackers, but I've heard, you know, I have this, uh, God, who, there's a whole thing on the 90s tech culture. There's a whole article on Hackers. Um, why why Hackers? What what about it, that movie? Is, I, there's, is a lot of, there's a lot of nostalgia for me. I remember seeing the trailer when I was a kid and like, I want to see that movie. Are they on roller, on, on inline skates in that movie? Yeah, because it's like a, it's like a, kind of a, you know it, it takes place kind of in the future but not like uh-huh. the deep future so it's their take on what some kind of like stylish future would be so it's like people wearing mm. some version of clothes that, you know like vests and things like they're making choices but and angelina jolie's in it is that is angelina that... jolie's in it um matthew lillard's in it fisher uh-huh. stevens uh lamorraine brocco what a stacked cast it's got some really interesting matthew choices. lillard I know I don't know if people shit on him, but he's good. He's a good actor, and he's been, he's had a little bit of a res- renaissance recently too. What's he in? <laughs> he was in Halt and Catch Fire, not that long. Oh, was ago. he? Okay, Man, yeah, and he's good in it. Like he was in uh, The Descendants, I believe the the Best Picture winner. I think it was. Oh, with Clooney. Yeah, yeah, okay. he was in that. He oh, was yeah, the he guy. Was in that. Yeah, and he was good. He's he's good. He's solid. He's talented. He's a talented actor. Rocco's good. Fisher Stevens, great. Although. I'll, Fisher Stevens is fun. Not like that him. long ago was doing, I guess, Indian blackface, you would say, right? Yeah. Southeast that Asian was, blackface. That was rough. Yeah. And he has since gone on to win an Oscar for producing The the Cove, the documentary. Yeah. I mean, he makes, and he directs movies too. And think, he's in right? Succession. Yeah. And uh, I almost, I always get him, he's sort of in the same camp as, um, 
who's the star of After Hours, uh, the Martin Scorsese movie? You know what I'm talking. Oh about. yeah, you're talking about um, Griffin Dunn. Yeah, I, I, him and Fisher Stevens seem like they had the same. They teamed up with the same agent and were like, "We want to do this now." <laughs> were they just like either make the movie? They're like kind of in movies, but they also direct and produce more than they do. Like Griffin Dunn, I think was had his own uh, production company for a while. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, I, it's funny that now that I think about it, there was a time when I was when I was young, younger, like you know, probably like ten or eleven or something, when I had a a genuine resentment for Fisher Stevens. Because he dated Michelle Pfeiffer and I had a crush on her. Oh, when did he date? Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. She's still she's still got it. Michelle she's, Pfeiffer. She looks yeah, great. She, she looks great. And she must have. I don't know what they're doing, but they're. She looks great. I, although is she in? Oh, you know what she was just in? I watched uh, Ant Man Two. Right. Is she that was Michelle in Pfeiffer? that. Yeah, and she was in a movie where she was almost nominated for an Oscar called French Exit. She's really oh, right. good in it. Really good in it. Oh, I'll have to check that out. She's always been super talented. She, I like her as Catwoman. I mean, I like that. That's another one, too, Batman Returns, which I feel like, man, I, that movie's great just because they let him do whatever. I uh, love that movie. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's probably my favorite of the Keaton. Well, I guess there's two of them, but of that that range, I I think I prefer it just as a from a rewatchability standpoint to the original Batman. Yeah, you they overstuffed it with the villains, but they For really, sure. man, they just let what's his name do whatever he wanted that was like kind of the beginning of the end for that guy uh, he uh, he needs limitations <laughs> some yeah, artists he's really he's need constrained. limitations yeah yes <laughs> i think he's been yeah he's <laughs> one of those guys where it's like more less would be more creative options for him man he just makes it, one stinker once they he, they introduced him to the computer man he just not you know he just like went crazy he's like oh i could do all this stuff on this machine Man, he just went to town like the yeah. Alice in Wonderland, whatever. Oh man, those piece of shit movies. Yeah. He uh, he uh, he needs to be boxed in a little bit because if and and granted, he had so many hits and he must be really weirdly good at talking people into things. You know, when it comes to producers. Well, I think he is a weirdly. He had a couple hits and then could that Batman was just such an eye opener. I think for people, yeah, that you can make a superhero movie because up until that point, there were not in the eighties. Like they I tried, think, but they couldn't really make it work i think big fish might have actually been successful too and that re-propped him up to a certain extent you yeah know, i think I he might have been that was the only movie i've ever walked out of i walked out of two really movies, big fish and state in maine the david mamet uh oh interesting movie. and man big fish i just could not get around i just thought it was so maudlin <laughs> and oh. it is such a saccharine overwrought film oh, why would he make that movie i get why like he's the obvious choice to make a weird fantasy allegory but man what a stinker i thought but i guess people liked it i don't know people in the audience seemed to like it they were curious why i was leaving and um <laughs> it's like there's no way you could walk on a big fish it's it's so is... funny i sat through so many other movies i could have walked out of but i was like i'm gonna stick it out like i liked brother solomon as just a concept but that movie is not good and I, my wife and I sat through the whole. <laughs> like, there's just other movies I probably could have walked out of before Big Fish, but it is it is funny to think like why this one when it could have been I, so many other. You options. ever go to the movies in a bad mood? Like, yeah. Oh like, yeah. Oh, uh, or you're like you realize you didn't have as much time. And you're trying to justify why you sit in there, and then you're just like it ruins it for you, and you leave. I I'm, think that's probably what happened. I'm sure if I watch Big Fish now, I'd sit through the whole thing. I've watched worse. I remember the last movie like. 
I've only walked out of, I think, one movie. And it was like, we went as a family, so it wasn't even fully my decision. But it was the movie Almost Famous or Almost Heroes. The Oh, uh, the Chris Farley? Yeah, yeah there's nothing good yeah. about that movie. The it's Christopher not a Guest. good... Yeah, it's I not a good movie. I see a whole movie. family walking out of that being like, I don't know what this is, or I'm. it's not funny, or it's like rude. And I think like it was like close to, it wasn't like that far off from dinner, so it was like kind of made the decision for us. It just wasn't worth sitting in, and I can understand right. why having revisited it. But the movie that... Oh, you I, watched it again? You've seen it since? Yeah, just to, re, just to be like, was it that bad? And it's not good, but it has moments, you know? Like, I, it's, it's kind of on the fence. I can see why. But the one movie not that long ago that I considered walking out on, but it's, there was also other reasons for it, but it was the movie Solo, the... Uh, the origin story, I, oh, I guess, of Han that Solo. Would, that was fine. It I was mean, fine. It, it wasn't that the movie was bad. It was more that I had the realization within the first five or ten minutes in terms of just overall my opinion on Star Wars was, like, oh, I, I don't have to watch this. You know, it was more of a the completionist factor, I guess. But right, I just realized, right. like, oh, I can just not participate in this if I don't want to. So it was more that reason for walking out then the movie was like bad because it's, it's that funny. movie was cursed from the time they fired those two guys like that movie wasn't yes. gonna the idea how much money do you think they had to back up into ron howard to get him to finish like that was a thing where they were like we have this movie it's these guys are doing improv all day and it's not what we want they must have really had to they tried their best to re whatever they thought the vision of was that movie it just wasn't gonna work no, they because you know factually, yeah. Any they, any scene in that movie that has Paul Bettany in it, which is a fair amount of them, were all shot by Ron Howard. Like that's kind of the oh really oh, yeah. So that gives you a sense of like how much was involved. He was his character wasn't even in anything being filmed. He was cast after the fact. Well, they usually but, hire that guy Tony Gilroy, who's amazing, right? That writer whose show right now Andor is is on. Which by the way, he. Got to make that show, this show currently. The reason it's so different from all the other Star Wars shows is because he basically they basically gave him a blank check after he saved Rogue One single-handedly. Right. Well, that's what I think. I think he was one of their guys that they... They must have had 10 or 15 people come and help them with that. I, I also think... Do they... they The Star Wars movies now and the shows, are they... Do they break that in like a big corporate way? Like, do they have that mapped out the way they have the Marvel, like Kevin Feige or whatever... It's sort of the showrunner of all the movies, and then Taika comes in, and they're like, "Oh, this is what the Thor movie is. What do you want to put your yeah. stink on it?" Like th- that's kind of what it is now, right? I it's think like- I think kind of, but it seems like Marvel really is the gold standard for truly having it figured out. But I think the thing is though that there's got to be more of a middle ground than what they're doing because their whole thing is we have it planned out for ten years, but. All it takes is one movie bombing, and that changes everything. Well, that's so the, the solo it's kind of counterintuitive, really, too. Yeah, the solo thing really threw them for a loop, and I think that's—isn't that why they made the shows, right? With the original people in it, like who play the characters. I like, I, I think, think um I think they're frightened of stepping outside of their comfort zone of any of the characters we know, or even the ones like even the right. Mandalorian is a surrogate for Boba Fett, so it's like. It's kind of like, well, right. this is new, technically. And Boba Fett, we never even seen his face and give two shits about, right? Like, yeah, Boba but Fett, th- to me, was never... Was but that's the funny thing, is that the reason people love him is, it's like the Joker, is that you didn't really get a lot right. of him, so then it's more, there's more, like, uh, it's it's more I, mysterious. The Mandalorian, and, give it to, just let John Favreau do all of them. I, I just really think he, John Favreau and the other guy who did all the Clone Wars, 
um, show, the animated Clone Wars. So just let them do all the movies. Favreau is kind of like the the architect, I think, of the TV universe for the most part. Yeah, because he's, I say what you want about Favreau and like his film history or trajectory, but he, he has a very clear vision. It's like very enjoyable. I can't say the Mandalorian's a game changer, but just they 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 made it feel like Star Wars, but made it. I think it's better than the Star Wars movies. I think definitely these last three. You know the the Miss most recent trilogy, right? Although you know I'm in terms of like Star Wars, I'm uh, I'm not, not like a lo- I'm not a full on loyalist or anything. So it's kind of right. like I enjoy what I enjoy. So like the Last Jedi, this incredibly derisive film. I thought I really enjoyed it. You know, I think it's one of the best movies that happens to be a Star Wars movies as opposed as opposed to one of the best Star Wars movies. Oh, and sure. Ro- Rogue One. I oh, Rogue it. One's a great movie. I love it. I just it. think it's, it's a good movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, and I um it's too bad that guy Garth um I forgot his last name, the director. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. He uh I feel like always gets these franchises and then they they blame him for fucking it up. <laughs> like he got Godzilla, yeah, which is a fine. You know, I liked God's King Kong versus Godzilla, but he didn't direct it. I don't think it was someone. Uh, he just did the 2015 Godzilla. Yeah, the one with um, which I enjoyed, yeah. by the way. It's yeah. fun. The Godzilla movies, I like them. I don't mind. I don't mind Godzilla. Don't mind the Meg. Like uh, these movies, like the creature feature movies. Crawl, I thought was a good creature. Fe- like there's some good creature features in uh, sure. these big movies are great. I did not see I've have not seen all the Marvel movies and I really could care less. Yeah, uh, same. I have not seen the Sam I would probably like the Sam Raimi uh one cuz I like Sam Raimi but I don't You know what movie I saw recently and I know we're closing on time but yeah. the Quick and the Dead, the Sam Raimi um Yeah, I rewatched that. Uh that movie's you, great. <laughs> unbelievable. And you know what? My wife who's not into westerns walked in while I was kind of finishing up and she got sucked into it. Like there's just something about it. Like was so like, where is this going? Oh, I like this character. I think Sharon Stone was so good in it. And so good. Like great to have Hackman. Kind of like, Hackman's killing it. Hackman's killing it. He's clearly an asshole in real life, but like, yeah. he's so but good. He's amazing. He's Leonardo an all-time DiCar- great actor. Caprio was adorable. Like I just thought everything about it. The idea of like, I love a movie where like there's, all these diverse, weird characters that all, like the guy who does the magic tricks and yeah. shoots. Ah, it's, it's great. Everybody I, had flair and uh, had these little backstories. And she produced and, it. They were. Yeah. They gave her that movie, and she's like, "I want Sam Raimi." I just think, what a. I think she's been treated terribly in the world of Hollywood, and I, I feel bad Completely. that she didn't get to, really. I think she had a vision for what she wanted the movie to be, and it got close to it, and. Uh, I don't know. She got who she wanted in it. She got Sam Raimi, who is not someone people thought of to direct this kind of movie. And I don't know. He's great. You know, she's kind of like was a, in a way, in terms of, uh, you know, an actress against all odds, getting into a producer role and being a star. Kind of a proto Charlize Theron in that regard. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I think she really paved the way for her and a lot of other women. And you know, you get labeled difficult, but a guy would not be labeled difficult the same way. Like Eddie Murphy sounds like he'd be uh, a handful but no one's ever like and don't give him a movie again but like sharon stone probably it's not a scarlet letter on any of the men's you know <laughs> that's, yeah that's that, it to like, them, whereas it's and it again goes... i don't know her life and her journey but i just thought you know she she broke out big she was in some great early movies she's great in total recall and she's incredible in casino 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not even the best uh, Scorsese movie, but she's great in it. Real fast, what do you is your favorite? What do you think is the best? Or your favorite Scorsese movie? Because I oh, recently, I was just going to ask you the same thing. Because I have one that's just gone up the ranks quite a bit recently that I love so much. Uh, best Scorsese movie. It's it's not Goodfellas. I'll tell you that. I rewatched the movie and I was like, why does anybody think this is their favorite movie? It's so much bigger than that now at this point with that movie too. Well, it's just everybody's disgusting in it. Like you yeah, you yeah. watch it and like. You know what's funny? I think I've only, I always only watch like the first half hour when it's like, you're like, oh, this is cool, the 50s, and it's yes. like a Barry Levinson <laughs> movie. Uh, yeah. And then exactly. everybody's fucking gross. Yeah. Like everybody's gross, and that's the point of the movie, and that's what's great about Scorsese, but everybody takes it out of context where they're like, yeah, Goodfellas is my favorite movie. It's about strength. I was like, these are the weakest, awful people <laughs> you could yeah. ever meet. None of them are likable. Uh, my favorite Scorsese movie is probably, I do like After Hours. Um, great movie really great movie great movie just because of living in new york and like it's a time of new york i did not live here and it's just fun it's very unscorsese like in a great way i think it's really good i really like the departed i thought that had great layers incredibly um, rewatchable in, incredibly like, rewatchable incredibly rewatchable i think i like his take on masculinity i think it's something downplayed he's always talked about toxic masculinity before yeah. it was popular i as you know as a filmmaker in the same way, I think Spike Lee has done that too, and no one really gives him credit for. Yeah. Um, but my favorite one, I don't know. What's your favorite? I, I can't really. I, I, I think I'd have, I'd have as to a, look at a list of. I, I list him as a, one of my favorites, but I don't even. He's done so many, first of all. So there's yeah. a lot to forget. Undone. That's your favorite of his. Is that? Oh, correct? clearly, yeah. <laughs> Number one with a bullet. Hold on. The uh, I, the one that right now in this moment is my a- favorite. Age of is, Innocence. I think that is a great movie. I've never seen it. Is Color of Money right now wow color of money another one scorsese movie i forget that he made it is so good the way he shoots the way you think about it like you have to make shooting pool interesting and cinematic right he pulls out all the stops all the tricks paul newman is just doing paul newman shit it's very much like a in a weird way like a passing of the torch in retrospect of paul newman to then up-and-coming movie star tom cruise it's very very good all right, so I guess my favorite, I, I honor that. I'm going to check out Color Money. After Hours is probably my favorite just because of what I described. I have a poster of Taxi Driver in my living room, which Fair nobody enough. nobody who lives with me has watched that movie, and I don't think I would rewatch it ever again. Um, it's so yeah. uncomfortable. The score is incredible because it makes me feel awful. Yeah, and it's Albert Brooks is great. It's just it's just sad. I just When he takes what's-her-name to the porn, you're just like, oh, this is awful. What if those two guys' apartment was an entire film? You know, That's the funny pages apartment. <laughs> it is taxi It makes driver. you feel terrible and dirty. Yeah, you just feel sad. And but Though I, I love the poster. I love Robert De Niro. The, it's the poster it's an incredible movie I never have to watch again. Yeah, never. And I did like The Wolf of Wall Street. And again, the same thing I would say about Goodfellas, where people are like, yeah, it's about strength. It's about these guys fucking over people in finance. It's like, no, these are the worst people. I don't... People take all the wrong lessons from those two movies. To your point, like, though... He's not glorifying these people at all. Like, no, and I don't even think he's such a smart guy. There's no way he would glorify. It. He's not. He like, doesn't uh, even like them. The Boondock Saints. This no. isn't the Boondock Saints of no. like these guys, tough Irish. Like these are disgusting people. <laughs> yeah. Who because they even that the the funniest saddest scene is Wolf of Wall Street is when he can't get into the fucking car. Yes. And he's like, and you're like, this is so sad. And he knows that he. He knows it. He, yeah, he's he knows full it. on judging these people. And the worst part is, though, that like 
a person like a meatheady type person is like these people are cool as hell and he's not doing that at all no. he's to your point he's a very smart astute well-read watched person he knows Same exactly with what he's doing where you're like no this is a killer this is a horrible yeah. person and at the end of his life he wishes he wasn't a killer i do not and I don't think anybody's seeing that the same. It's weird. I saw that they showed it in a Broadway theater, so me and a buddy went. Actually, my Great buddy movie. Richie Moriarty. Shout out to Richie. He's hey, Richie. on the show Ghosts, uh, which is on. CBS. I've heard that show is great. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, Richie's an amazing actor. But uh, we saw it at uh, in a Broadway theater, and I, it's so funny that movie. But like, man, you you don't come out of that thinking, <laughs> I want to be these people. No, it's such a sad, like, empty existence on top of everything else. But a great movie, like really I guess well he's done. He's not really made a. He's a real downer of a. If you were, if you were to think, he's kind of the John Carpenter of uh, prestige movies. Where like I don't <laughs> yeah. think any of these movies have made any money, right? Cape Fear uh, maybe. What's his Cape... highest groping mo- grossing movie? I'm gonna look that up very quickly. Look that mm-hmm. up. Look that up. I'm I'm looking on his Wikipedia here. I'm surprised you didn't say King of Comedy. I just assumed that would be. Uh, I don't. There. That's uncomfortable too. And yeah. the only there's one funny scene where she's where the lady comes up to Jerry Lewis and is like, um, "I love you. You're great." And he's like, "Oh, I gotta go." And she's like, "Fuck you. Get cancer and die." Like I thought that <laughs> there's like a really funny. But King of Comedy is another one where you're like, I don't want to watch this again. But yeah, I, I think After Hours is very rewatchable. It's almost like Pulp Fiction. We were like, where is this going? And then, you know, he starts the day over again in his shitty office. And I think that's such a fun, I don't know. It's a fun movie. I think After Hours is just a fun, well-paced movie. There's a thing where he's driving in the, I think about this scene every time where he's in the cab and the money flies out the window. The cab's driving like an insane, like that's such a New York, I don't know. There's a point of view there that I hadn't seen. Okay, so his top grossing films. Number one, Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. The DiCaprio factor helps that a lot. And uh, Hill. Shutter okay. Island, number, number two. two. I've never seen. It's um scary. It's got a, scary? It's no, it's really well done. But it's a movie with a twist. So once you know it, it kills any rewatchability factor for the most mm-hmm. part. It's really well done though. Is the twist that there? It's actually done Like in the middle of the movie, it just switches <laughs> to the beginning of that. I feel like that movie came out and no one cared about it. Yeah, it's a, yeah. The twist is you're banned from China if you make that movie. Well, the reason he made that movie is because he's really into meditation. Hey, and and respect because if you do that to his, you know, that making a movie like that, especially with the political ramifications, right? You have to want to make that movie. So it's the same lady who wrote E.T. and and uh, what's her name's? What's oh yeah, she name's, was. Um, uh, yeah, Harrison Ford's wife. ex-wife, right? Yeah, yeah. She. Uh, Did he writing? marry Anne Heche, Harrison Ford, or are they just dating? They were just dating. No, right? they just dated. You know, speaking of which, that kind of makes us go full circle. Bowfinger. The character played by oh uh, right yeah it's based on her because yeah, it was Heather Graham another one Steve who Martin's was ex. chewed out by the uh, Hollywood system who could have really talented been a star. super talented really real talented. quick before before I have to go but uh, Barbarian have you seen this movie everybody's talking about this horror I've movie? not and I don't know anything about it which it seems to be like the going narrative I, it seems too scary to me is it too scary will you go see it and tell me about it I'm going to see it for sure yeah right, I really right. want to see it tell me it'll be on scary. VOD probably within a month month and you know a half what's I great about that and I feel like I took my son to see two movies I saw Minions and this other um, Pause of Fury which he really wanted to see yeah um, and Pause of Fury is just Blazing Saddles as a cartoon it's literally Mel Brooks is in it. It's re-written. okay. I I like the idea of that a lot. Yeah, so check that out. Check it out. Okay. It's not a you you know you could buzz through it. I'm sure it's on yeah. free now or on something. But um, uh, I have 
why was I talking about Blaze of... Uh, oh, I saw two movies in the theater this summer, and they mm-hmm. are immediately on VOD like two weeks later after I shelled out 30 bucks. Like, there's, they've got to fix this system of... Yeah, I think they're still trying to figure quickly. out... They're trying to figure out what it is exactly. I right. uh, I mean, I appreciate it. Like, I could watch Confess Fletch right now. I love Fletch. I, I Even beyond the Chevy Chase, I've read the books. I, I have, By the way, truly, it is worthwhile. It is... I'm there gonna watch some... it. I, there's everybody I like is in it. I like the director, Greg Matola. Is He's fantastic. He's... There's a scene in that movie. I'm not gonna specify what it is, but it's so funny. Uh, I'm gonna check it out. Like a real like masterclass in elevating and comedic acting. It's very very funny. I'm gonna see and it. I do genuinely think it's John Hamm's best role since Mad Men. Are you gonna see Bros? I'll watch Bros. You gonna watch Bros? I'll watch it. Sure. I'm not going to see it in the theater. Just No, put, no, I don't. Well, I'm not seeing a ton of stuff in the theater right now anyway. I don't even go. I've been to the theater four or five times. I saw Jackass 4 in the theater. And I saw... I enjoyed that TikTok, a lot. Minions, Pause of Fury. I saw Tron. Everything always once. And I think, I think that's it. I've been four or five times. I haven't been to many comedy shows either. I've been to one, two. My wife and I went to see Nate Bargatze and no one was wearing a mask. This is like in June. And it, Boy, and yeah. We were all we we wore a mask just because we felt weird. Sure. And then I couldn't. At the end, we were both like, "Oh man, I just it was awesome, great show. I could not wait to leave. Like it was just another <laughs> thing where I was like, I felt so uncomfortable. The the one later in the summer with um, James Austin Johnson was an easier hang. I, I could stand up. I was underneath like a fan. I just felt more comfortable then. I get that. By the way, you know, speaking to what you're saying about social anxiety i guess to a certain extent maybe yeah. but there's a i'm, I'm going to talk to the director in a couple of days uh, a movie that's a horror movie where the driving force of really the horror and tension is social anxiety what's it called it's called who invited them who invited them and it's kind of a horror comedy it's really well done very who clever the director duncan birmingham i've talked to him before oh did he make did he make an oscar-winning short did he direct marin and a couple other things he co-created marin the he TV did. Show, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm gonna check it out. It's funny. It's funny. I rewatched it with my dad. Yeah. And he kept laughing and going, "This is so awkward!" Like throughout the movie. Oh, because they won't leave or something. It's like a. Yeah, because it's just playing on a lot of social anxieties and like it's really well done. Oh, really I'll have well to check done. it out. That sounds yeah. fun. You find cool movies. I I, I appreciate your uh, your take because you find um, stuff I would not. I would might buzz through on mm-hmm. on the iTunes um, or the movie the TV. Uh, I look on Apple TV all the time for stuff, and I feel like that's... I would buzz through it, but if you mention it or you put it up there... Like, you had something else you watched recently. Do you watch an Elliot Gould movie or something? I felt like you were watching something old. I was like, well, oh, I should but, check that out. Well, like California Split, maybe? Uh, yeah, we talked about that last time, I think, though. Did, Did we, we talk about that? I watched probably. that recently, too. I really liked it. I mean, I, I rewatched it not that long ago. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really good. I've been on a real, um, I watched Judd Apatow's like Masterclass. I've been on a real Apatow. Not because like, movies are awesome, but just because I like the feeling of the movies. They feel realish. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So I've been like, I have funny people's terrible. I guess Knocked Up is the one I like the most. But the, um, even though it's borderline sexist, but I do think there's just something there in how he orchestrated the movie that was interesting. Anyway, I got to go. But um, I know. this was awesome. Always a pleasure. I'll come back in, uh, I'll come back in the new year maybe and we can do it again. I truly um, love that. I we'll always talk enjoy about the conversation. No, it's great. And you always talk about what's great about this is you all, and I, I, I'm sure you talk about people's careers and other stuff and other things, but you, you do watch movies with a good eye where other people, oh, I think you. it's not a passive experience for you. And I think that is something that 
you know, there's so many like movie discourses and podcasts and stuff, but I think people need to be taught to watch it. And I feel like I got this out of reading screenplays and just being interested in movies at a very yeah. young age. You, you get it from to really enjoy a movie. You have to look at it as more than a movie. Like, what are they saying? What do they want to say? What is life about? What is this saying about life? Like, any type of movie should have that in it, even if it's like Ocean's Eleven or something fun, right? And yeah. I think that is something that you're always looking at. I think that's really good. I don't think a lot of people do that. So, um, oh, I appreciate that because I feel like I don't do that very well at all. So, no, you I'll do. Take it. I think you're, you're even just knowing about the John Carpenter stuff and like the, I don't know. I think. It really appreciates friends. When I get together with friends um, that really like movies, it's a real, it's beyond the movie, right? Like, it's, yeah. the movie's one thing, but the conversation and what you talk about the movie, I think is the real, what life is about. Say, that's arguably my favorite part. Yeah. I mean, how many times I miss that? I used to go to movies. Yeah. I would go to the movies here in New York, God, two, three times a week when I was a single guy in my 20s living here. There were so many movie theaters I would see. Not horror. I'm not a scary movie guy. I like horror comedy. This movie you just described sounds up my alley, but I'm not a. I, I would never watch Hostel or anything like that, or Torture or anything. But um, I, I hate those movies. Yeah, I, yeah, it has to have some sort of, uh, you know, element. Like even Annabelle, I thought was good. Like those kind of like um, ghosty kind of movies. But um, yeah. uh, we would go and then we would sit and talk about the movie. And I just don't, you know, that's why I find um, there was a recent podcast with. Um, Quentin Tarantino and he was talking about they did like a, a draft of the best movies in 1987 which is arguably a terrible year but just his the big picture podcast oh yeah have that. you heard it have you yeah I listened I, to I, that I just, oh you did yeah Man, and I say what you want about Quentin Tarantino I could take or leave some of the movies I just rewatched Once Upon a Time I think it's my favorite one of his I, I think it's a genuine masterpiece it's a masterpiece amazing he, and Leonardo DiCaprio is so fucking funny in it but the I would say his passion and how he looks at it as someone who me and you would grow would say we grew up in the video store uh, world, right? Oh, like oh yeah. I worked at Blockbuster for years. Yeah. So just the way he talks about the passion and the, the insight and what it's about and like even these shitty – like one of his favorites was Secret of My Success, which you would never think is a great – but it, just the way he talked about it, you're like, that's the juice, right? Like that's – why you go, and that's why you talk about it. And I think that's the why Michael the, J. Fox movie, right? Yeah, I think. The, okay. Why the Nicole Kidman? Why people make fun of that Nicole Kidman thing before AMC is it's because it's not genuine. That's not why you go to the movies. <laughs> yeah. It's not to go is to to discuss and to see and to to talk about it. So I think you have that, and that's, I think that's why we talk for an hour and fifteen minutes about it. You know. Um, oh, great. Okay. But I, I gotta. I really I'll, have to go now. I know. I, I know. I will let you go. You had a soft out. Now it's a hard out. Fair <laughs> no, enough. No, no, no. At one o'clock, I've done no writing today, so I have to. Get Fair enough. Today. Thank you all for listening. Please stay safe. Please take care. And uh, yeah, be kind to yourself and leave with empathy again. Thank you again. Bye bye.